0: And welcome to the third episode of Sounds Japanese-Canadian to Me with me, Alexis Jensen and
1: Raymond Nakamura.
0: And today we will be talking about picture brides.
1: Coming to you from the tatami room at yes. the Nikkei National Museum. We thought we'd make Center.
0: it a bit more ceremonial this time. So, what are picture brides? Picture brides are... Something that happened in the early 20th century where women and men would exchange photographs and perhaps a couple of letters. And the men were in Canada or other places, and the woman was in Japan. And they would strike a match based on just a picture, usually. And then a man would be a proxy in Japan and marry the woman. And then the woman would sail overseas and disembark off the ship, meeting her husband for the very first time.
1: So I owe my very existence to picture bride system because both of my grandmothers went through this. And uh,
0: and for how I see it is, it's almost like extreme online dating where you choose someone, but instead of just going for a casual date and then perhaps rejecting them, you decide to marry them (laughs) and sail across the ocean to spend the rest of your life with this person.
1: So more than just coffee.
0: Yeah, a little bit more than coffee. And I think it's something that, like, for us, we can't even begin to understand, but back then it wasn't that uncommon to have... Even if you were living in the same village or a village away, to have met the person maybe just once and then be married to them?
1: Right, yeah, the whole idea of an arranged marriage being that, uh, uh being quite commonplace. In, in Japanese, there's two terms there's, uh, kekkon, which is the, where you have an arranged marriage, and there's denai kekkon, which is what they call a love marriage, so you actually know the person beforehand. And that's and,
0: happening today still?
1: Yeah, still. There, I mean, the omiyai, uh, having somebody as a go-between or a setup is is in a sense like online dating, where there's a go-between who knows both parties, and then they they say once you uh, meet up. In that case, you're not obliged to marry them, and even in the case of the picture bride, there was sometimes back and forth about it. Uh, so it wasn't like the women were being sold into slavery. Yes, or something.
0: they could choose. So,
1: and in some cases, it seemed as though the the women themselves were seeing this as a way to get out of Japan and, and have a different sort of life.
0: So let's set the stage for this time and why men were coming over to Canada in the first place. And so in the late 1800s, industrialization came to Japan and knocked down cottage industries. And for that reason, many men started to look for work outside of Japan. And initially, they thought that this work would be something where they would go to a different place and work for three to five years and then come back with enough money to start a life in Japan. But once they realized that in Canada they weren't going to be paid enough to earn enough money in three to five years, they started thinking about settling and starting a family, and that's when they would send back word to Japan asking if there were perhaps eligible women for them to marry.
1: And so in a sense, it was an extension of what was already happening in Japan. So it wasn't so uncommon for them to be looking for other places to work. And some of the areas in Japan where the most um, immigrants came from, were areas where they had been harder hit by various economic issues. This was during the Meiji era, just after Japan had opened up in, in the 1860s. There was still a lot of uh, transformation going on. That they were actively looking to the outside world rather than just the, the hundreds of years where they had been uh, insular. And so uh, they were going to Hawaii and then later on to Canada and, and the U.S.,
0: circling all this is also this idea of the samurai sensibility which placed duty and piety over love and affection at the family level and a good quote to sum up the sentiment at the time i think it's from ayakawa and it is to search for preoccupation with one's own happiness with sheer self-indulgence so right now i think in this world we are so self-indulged it's not you have to wipe that away to understand what people were facing and how they dealt with their circumstances at the time
1: Mm -hmm. and i guess that's not even necessarily just japanese or or samurai is that the world was a different kind of place in terms of the the views regarding marriage
0: so we'll go to why women became picture brides and this is an extreme case but um, one woman, a Mrs. M, was forced to become a picture bride by her elder brothers who wanted her out of the family house. And then usually the other cases were women elected to be picture brides because they were either too old, too ugly, or divorced. And I find this is my favorite one. I told Raymond this the other day. Uh, Tammy Nakamura, she opted to become a no picture bride. No
1: relation, as far as I know.
0: <laughs> she elected to become a picture bride because... She believed her choices for marriage were limited in Japan due to her extreme curly hair. And the reason why curly hair wasn't an attractive thing is it didn't go well with how you fashion your hair during the bridal ceremony. And for that reason, she decided to get married to someone and move to Canada without meeting him because of curly hair.
1: Well, I think there were probably a few other factors involved. But in any case, uh, it, it did seem like marriage was the assumed path that you had to go through because it was very difficult for a woman to live independently it was a matter of um, moving from her family into creating a new family or her husband's family and the expectation of of first obeying your your uh, father and then your husband and potentially down the line your, your sons even uh, but then the the part that I found interesting and actually surprising were the stories of the women who were consciously looking for a way to get out of Japan and and seeing not really even caring who they were marrying they they saw they seemed to think that this idea of America was a way to having a new life. Uh, some of these stories are outlined in the book by Tomoko Makabe, the Picture Brides, a series of oral histories that deal with Ise women and and the variety of their experiences.
0: So, who were these women? Most of the women were educated in the Meiji system and that better educated than their future immigrated husband. And the only rule that we could see was the bride could be no more than 13 years the groom's junior. I don't know if that was followed in all cases, but hmm. that was... Well,
1: in, I've, I've noticed that in both my uh, grandparent situations there's about a 10-year gap between them. So so on my, my dad's okay. side, uh, the mom was about 18 or 19, and, and uh, th- my grandfather was 28, 29, mm-hmm. and uh, very similar on my, my mother's side of the family. Uh, so at first, I, I thought that was surprising that there was such a gap, but it, it seems like it was not inconceivable. And in a sense, um, it seems that the men had been working some time t- enough to build up a little bit of savings to be able to pay for the women to come over. Uh, to cover the travel. And then I guess they wanted younger women. Well, I guess that's still... uh, (laughs) That that hasn't (laughs) changed. (laughs) (laughs) There are various things that seem to be uh, hard work, maybe. Yeah. Anyway,
0: So when did the Picture Bride era begin? It began around 1907-1908 with the Lemieux's Gentleman Agreement which made it so after the race riots of nineteen seven there was a lot of prejudice and racism in um, bc and so this agreement was struck that and it only allowed 400 japanese men in a year
1: so the interesting thing about they called it a gentleman's agreement with uh, hayashi lemieux is often how it's referred to they had that they had a representative from britain since britain was sort of still running canada i guess and um... they had an a, agreement with japan so they didn't want to order or request uh, or restrict the Japanese from coming in. So Japan itself was limiting how many could leave to go to Canada. And and so that's an interesting distinction. For example, when you look at Chinese laborers, uh, Canada was actually applying a head tax to them, and so they didn't have this diplomatic uh, relationship in the same way. They wanted to be limiting Asians from coming over to British Columbia, but this was sort of the political solution to it.
0: And so this agreement placed no limits on women or children. That opened up a new form of immigration, and hence the picture bride era.
1: So my uh, grandmother on my um, dad's side, she actually came in 1908, so it was right at the beginning. And um, so maybe they hadn't heard enough stories about what it was like.
0: (laughs) They might have not come over at that point. (laughs) Afterward,
1: yeah.
0: Um, And so the picture bride era ended in 1924, with 6,420 picture brides, having arrived in Canada and at that point BC residents began to grumble with the influx of Japanese and so the BC government revised its policies bringing the quota down to 150 people a year and this included everyone men women and children and thus this effectively ended the picture bride era.
1: I think that this is interesting in terms of the way the demographics of Japanese Canadians is. There's a preoccupation with labeling people as Issei, Nisei, and Sansei, at least the, the historical, um, because of this very restricted immigration. So you had a wave of first generation, and then all of their kids became the Nisei, and then, then afterward the Sansei. But, but, Rather than having an ongoing influx of people, there were these distinct phases and and it led to these differences in in generations that's quite strong, I think, in the history of Japanese Canadians here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have, every time I meet people, within the first five minutes, they tell me what generation they are. Yeah. It's very embedded in the culture. So how was it done? The women married the men usually after only viewing a photograph and receiving a few letters, like we said. And just like online dating, the men went to great effort to present themselves in a favorable light. And so oftentimes they borrowed a suit and would stand in front of mansions that were not theirs, though their letters hinted that they owned property, and so the women would assume it would be the mansion that they were standing in front of. And these pictures were usually exchanged and arranged by a matchmaker in Japan, who tried to pair the couple's background, specifically looking for same dialects, same lifestyle and food, and same economic strata. So, for example, an agricultural family from the village over would try and pair the bride with another agricultural family from the, the village next to them. And there were also matches made outside of the picture bride system, and this is where the couple would have known each other beforehand. And sometimes a would-be husband would travel back to Japan in search of the bride himself rather than relying on pictures.
1: Uh, so the idea of... Um Getting married this way seems a little bit weird that you wouldn't do a little more research, I suppose. But, <laughs> but maybe they had low expectations and that, that helped them out. But when they arrived, then the, there were certainly a, a lot of shocks in store for them. I, I've heard the story of my grandmother on my father's side expecting to be living in a nice place, but they had a, a wooden shack in the middle of nowhere kind of scenario. And so it, it was certainly very harsh, a, a harsh adjustment. And I suppose it happened for A lot of people in that era, even if they weren't the picture brides, there were the surprises of dealing with the new country.
0: Yeah, I would say so. And so this whole process usually would take about a year, and that would involve the proxy standing in and marrying the woman in Japan, the immigration paperwork being filled and filed, and then the voyage across the Pacific. And like Raymond was saying, a lot of these women, when they met their husband, it was with disappointment. And we've heard stories of some even refusing to disembark and sailing back to Japan to face the wrath of their family and the debt of the voyage owed to the rejected husband. And we can't confirm this because none of these women stayed in Canada, but we have heard it in a few sources. And I really enjoy one quote from Mijayakawa's mother when she talked about her situation when she landed to find her husband. And her response to his financial situation was, that he didn't even own two pairs of chopsticks. <laughs> so it, it kind of paints how sad, because they were expecting brick houses and mansions, and what they got were no chopsticks and a shack in the middle of a field mm-hmm. and hard labor.
1: But this idea of uh, changing your mind uh, was mentioned. Uh, there's the uh, that interesting uh, film by uh, Linda Ohama about her grandmother, oba garden garden. In mm-hmm. that, her grandmother had, I guess, actually been divorced, and then had children over there which comes out in that film yeah and then she came over and didn't like the guy she was set up with and then had to work to pay off that and then ended up marrying another guy yeah so it it seems like for some women they were able to explore their other options
0: i think yeah i think that was a rare case though yeah, she probably. Seemed a bit headstrong. Pro-
1: and- yes, yes, certainly a, a, an extraordinary person. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd have to be fairly strong-willed, even if you don't know anything about the other country, to, to be willing to go into the void. In that sense, yeah. you, 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 there must be something. About, I think that's interesting to think about what ha- that has resulted in the sorts of people who end up being <laughs> like here. Like what
0: your genetic makeup
1: is. Yeah, How uh, people who are who are not necessarily thinking very <laughs> clearly about the was maybe that's yeah maybe that was yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if that has anything to do with me but the other point about that was the issue of how they were dealing with their children and and their idea of down the line so they're getting married there and in some cases early on they would have their children sent back to japan partly to be raised in a japanese system and also as a form of long distance childcare, But as they moved along and they established Japanese Canadian communities with Japanese schools and so forth, then the, the kids were more being raised here.
0: Yeah. And with that, the women, as soon as they had children, it seemed that they would, they wanted to settle down in Canada. There wasn't the idea of going back and they really urged their husbands to save up money to buy property. And the women th- themselves, we should mention, did work. And they worked in hard-labour jobs, such as in fishing canneries, like scaling and gutting the fish, as cooks in lumber camps, and as laundresses in white people's houses.
1: So what is your take on uh, picture brides overall? What, what would you be? How would you react to this scenario?
0: <laughs> I would have stayed at home. I wouldn't have come to Canada. Uh-huh. I am not... Which is interesting because you could argue all of Canada has been made up of risk takers. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like genetically people who have abandoned their old countries to try something else. Mm-hmm. But um, they also talk about dynasties. And after the fifth generation, dynasties start to break down. And so I would say I'm breaking down. <laughs> I'm no longer a risk taker. I'm quite comfortable. I like cushions and three meals a day and not... Back-breaking labor,
1: But that's interesting that having you—you you just got married to a person who is coming to Canada. Yeah. So you're marrying a, a risk taker in that sense,
0: I suppose. But
1: although I'm sure you're a sure vet as far as uh, someone to marry. <laughs>
0: Okay, but we also have houses,
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and we sit in front of computers rather oh, yeah. than toiling in fields.
1: So that book that I mentioned, uh, Picture Brides, might be a little bit difficult to find, but it's interesting as a series of narratives. If, if, it doesn't actually go into a lot of detail about how the, the Picture Bride process and everything, but the, the lives of the Issei women is quite striking. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit frustrating that they use pseudonyms, so you can't necessarily figure out who, who is who, who, is who. <laughs> but... Uh, the, the stories that they tell are, are very interesting.
0: And it's funny because for me, when we were researching this, what I really wanted to know was that moment that they were faced with their husband, like what they felt, like what uh, they had taken this risk and did it pay off and how did they feel? And I think that's someone sitting in in 2013 thinking that, but I don't think, they really just glom over it. They don't, like, I don't know if it's because they're recounting Something that happened to them forty years ago, and they just don't really remember. Mm. And they talk about their life after they've met the husband and what they were doing that right. seemed to be more important. Yeah, but none of them really. They were like, "And we met, and then we went here."
1: Yeah. It well, is. I think it's an interesting thing. Imagine of having to work with somebody through very hard conditions, yeah. and and you know that can build the relationship even if you don't know them subsequently. Yeah. And, and I remember this uh, documentary about. Arranged marriages in general, and they talk about how it's a, a, a combination, it involves six couples. So there's the one parent, uh, and then the other set of parents, and then there's the, the, the couple who are supposed to get married. And in an arranged marriage, four to the six people have already <laughs> agreed that this is a good idea. So uh, that can help in terms of long term, the longevity of it.
0: Yes, but the problem with that is you didn't have the two couples, the four people. There to back up. That, the, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're kind people. of stranded.
1: There There were also those stories yeah. of these women in the wilderness uh, having their babies uh, and the husbands.
0: Drinking uh, and gambling all the out. money
1: away. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was supposed to sort them out, I think, having the family. Part of the concern that they had was that there were all these single men in the early days, especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, the women were supposed to have a civilizing effect.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I hope that they did for but. the sake of the woman
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: alright so well I think that is all we have to say about Picture Bride if you want to see an image of a Picture Bride we will put one up on the show notes for this episode so I urge you to check it out thank you for tuning in to the third episode of Sounds Japanese Kane to Me with Alexis Jensen
1: and hey, Raymond Nakamura
0: have a good day